0: Hello, once again, and welcome to the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. I am your host, Terence M. Stanton, and this is episode eight, and I'm recording on Friday, October the 8th, 2021. Let's start off continuing our novena to Our Lady of Fatima. Today is day four. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Almost Most Holy Virgin Mary, you came to Fatima to reveal the graces that come from praying the Holy Rosary to three little shepherd children. Inspire us with a sincere love of this devotion so that, like the shepherd children, it is not a burdensome task, but a life-giving prayer. May our prayers and meditations on the mysteries of our redemption bring us closer to your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Our Lady of Fatima, let us pray today for humility to seek forgiveness for our sins, and make amends for our misdeeds. Lord Jesus, the miracles, prophecies, and prayers that your mother brought to us at Fatima amazed the whole world. We are certain of her closeness to you. We ask through the intercession of Our Lady of Fatima that you graciously hear and answer our prayers, especially for the spiritual and temporal welfare of Pope Francis. May he merit a high degree of glory in heaven. And his life on earth ends. Our Lady of Fatima, pray for us. Our Lady of the Rosary, pray for us. Immaculate Heart of Mary, pray for us. From hatred and from the demeaning of the dignity of the children of God, deliver us. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. And as a reminder, this is day two of the 54-day Rosary Novena. Today, the sorrowful mysteries are being said in petition. Once again, you can head over to Fatima.org for more information about that. And today's intention says, the defeat of the enemies of the one true Church of Jesus Christ and for world peace through the consecration of Russia to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. In the manner requested by our Lady of Fatima, I unite this rosary with all the rosaries offered for the same intention. The rosary is so incredibly powerful, so let's keep praying it every day, as Our Lady of Fatima asked. We're going to move today to the events of the Feast of St. Anthony on June thirteenth, 1917. Once again, I'm looking at the wonderful book, Our Lady of Fatima, by the late William Thomas Walsh, beginning on Chapter 7. Page sixty-five. On the feast of St. Anthony, the shepherds of Alustral take their sheep to graze much earlier than on other days, and bring them back to the enclosure at about nine o'clock, in good time to attend the Misa Cantata at ten. Lucia had her flock out out of the corral before the sun had begun to redden the rim of the eastern ridge. She had probably been out in the meadows for a good while, perhaps munching a piece of bread, for so the shepherd children generally eat, instead of sitting at a table, when her brother Antonio came running across the fields to tell her that there were several people at the house looking for her. Leaving the boy in charge of the sheep, she hurried home and found men and women from various places far and near, from Minde near Tormar, from Carrascos, from Boleros, for the story of the May apparition had somehow spread all over the mountains. Many believed it. Others were merely curious to see what would happen, and quite a number had taken the trouble to get up before dawn and walk over the hills to accompany the children to Cova d'Iria. Lucia was not at all pleased, but she told her visitors that if they would wait until she returned from 8 o'clock mass, they might follow her if they chose. Then she departed for Fatima. They waited patiently for some two hours or more under the fig trees near the house, Naturally, their presence was not very agreeable to Maria Rosa and her eldest daughters, and many acid comments were passed about the whole proceeding in general, and their folly in particular. This did not discourage the pilgrims. They waited, looked around, laughed, talked quietly until Lucia returned from Mass. It was about eleven o'clock when the child finally left home, with the strangers fanning out on either side of her. I felt very, very bitter that day, she remembers, for the disdain and contempt of her mother and sisters had cut her to the heart. I recalled the times that were past, and I asked myself, where was the affection which my family had had for me only a little while ago? And now to be followed through the village by all these impertinent strangers, who asked her a thousand questions, she began to weep as she walked along. Her face was wet with tears when she stopped at the Mardo house. Don't cry, said Jacinta, when she saw the red eyes and quivering lips. Surely these must be the sacrifices that the angel said God was going to send us. That is why you suffer, and to make reparation to him, and to convert sinners. Lucia dried her eyes, and the three, followed by the strangers, walked briskly down the main road and over the fields for half an hour or more. At Cova Iria they found awaiting them another group of devout or curious persons from Hamlet's far and near. There was a woman from Loreira, a little man from Lomba de Acqua, others from Boleros, Toras Novas, Antirio, and Maria Carrera and her daughters from Moita. There must have been at least 50. Maria Carrera is one of many reliable witnesses who still live near the scene. It was there, in fact, that I spoke with her in the summer of 1946 for she is the caretaker of the shrine and is known as Maria de Capelina, a widow of 75, always dressed neatly in black with a kerchief of the same color over her white hair. She looks younger than she is, for she is straight, slender, and quick in her motions. She has the serenity of one who has nothing more to ask of life. Her blue-gray eyes are calm, honest, searching, intelligent. She remembers clearly how she happened to be at Cova on the Feast of St. Anthony, 1917. She had been planning it for weeks. Two or three days after the May apparition, her husband had been working with Antonio Ababora, the father of Lucia, weeding a garden, and he came home with a strange tale. Antonio had told him that Our Lady had appeared at Cova d'Iria to his youngest daughter and to two of the children of his sister Olympia, who was married to T. Marto. Carrera thought it was crazy nonsense, but his wife took it seriously. Their son John was a cripple, hunchbacked, with knees that crossed and knocked together as he walked. Maria clutched at the thought that it might be true, and that Our Lady might return the following month and cure the lad. As soon as Lucia reached the place, according to the story, Maria Carrera told Father De Marchi and confirmed to me last summer, she stopped about nine feet from an azanjera, facing east, with Jacinta on one side of her and Francisco on the other. Presently, they all sat down to wait, for it was not quite noon, and the crowd, too, began to relax. Some opened their wicker baskets and drew forth loaves of bread and bottles of wine. A few offered the children bits of food, which they declined, "'though they did accept oranges, holding them in their hands. "'Jacinta began to play until Lucia told her to stop. "'A girl from Boleros commenced to read "'in a loud voice from a prayer book. "'Maria Carrera, who had been ill, felt faint from standing. "'Will Our Lady delay much longer?' she inquired. "'No, Signora, not very long,' replied Lucia, "'scanning the eastern sky. "'They all said five decades of the rosary. "'This done,' the pious girl from Boleros, started the litany of Our Lady. Lucia interrupted her, remarking that there would not be time. Then, arising from the ground, she cried, Jacinta, there comes Our Lady, there is the light! The three children then ran to the Azenjera, and the crowd closed in behind them. Maria Carrera still remembers the details of the scene with some vividness. We knelt on the bushes and the gorse. Lucia raised her hands as if in prayer, and I heard her say, Your Excellency told me to come here. Please say what you want of me. Then we began to hear something like this, something like a very faint voice, but we could not understand what it was saying. It was like the buzzing of a bee. Some of the bystanders noticed that the light of the sun seemed dimmer during the following minutes, though the sky was cloudless. Others said that the top of the Azenhera, covered with new growth, appeared to bend and curve just before Lucia spoke, as if under a weight. In Lucia's own artless but telling account, she asked, What does your excellency want of me? Substantially, as in the story of Maria Carrera, the lady replied, I want you to come here on the 13th day of the coming month to recite five decades of the rosary every day and to learn to read. I will tell you later what I want. Lucia then asked for the cure of a certain sick person. If he is converted, he will be cured during the year, was the reply. "'I should like to ask you to take us to heaven,' continued the child. "'Yes, Jacinta and Francisco I will take soon. But you remain here for some time more. Jesus wishes to make use of you, to have me acknowledged and loved. He wishes to establish in the world the devotion to my Immaculate Heart. "'I stay here?' Lucia was in dismay. "'Alone?' No, daughter. And do you suffer a great deal? Don't be discouraged. I will never forsake you. My Immaculate Heart will be your refuge and the road that will conduct you to God. With these last words, she opened her hands, as she had on the previous occasion, and again communicated to them the light that streamed in two rays from her palms, enveloping the children in its heavenly radiance. In it, we saw ourselves as if submerged in God, wrote Lucia, Jacinta and Francisco seemed to be in the part of this light that went up toward heaven, an eye in that which spread itself over the ground. Before the palm of the right hand of Our Lady was a heart, encircled by thorns which seemed to have pierced it like nails. We understood that it was the Immaculate Heart of Mary, outraged by the sins of humanity, for which there must be reparation. The Immaculate Heart of Mary. The angel had said something about that. Through the infinite merits of his most sacred heart and of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I beg of you the conversion of sinners. Now the children saw both Jesus and Mary in that vision of the most blessed Trinity that enfolded them. Our Lady seemed neither sad nor joyful, but always serious. But the impression left by the word of God on the mind of Francisco, at any rate, was one of infinite sadness. At this tremendous revelation, as this tremendous revelation faded from their view, the lady, still surrounded by the light which emanated from her, arose without effort from the little tree and glided swiftly toward the east until she could no longer be seen. Some of the people standing around noticed that the new leaves on the top of the azinhara were drawn in the same direction, as if the lady's garments had been trailed across them, and it was several hours before they gradually returned to their usual position. Lucia remained looking at the vast emptiness of the sky. Maria Carrera heard her say, Pronto. Now she can't be seen anymore. Now she is entering heaven. Now the doors are being shut. The people were intensely excited. Though none of them had seen the lady, it was evident that something extraordinary had occurred. Some began to to ask questions of the children, others to dispute among themselves. Many were examining the Azanhera and exclaiming over the dislocation of the new growth. A few were plucking the top leaves for relics or souvenirs, and there would probably have been nothing left of the poor bush if Lucia had not had presence of mind to ask them to take only the lower ones, which Our Lady had not touched. Maria Carrera was gathering some of the rosemary, which grew all about, filling the air with its sharp fragrance. She was already thinking of setting up an altar or shrine on the spot. "'Let's say the rosary,' said someone. "'No, the litany,' cried another. "'We have to say the rosary on the way home.' Reciting one or the other, they broke up into small groups and moved off slowly in various directions. It was not until about four o'clock that Lucia and her companions were able to set out for Alustral, followed by a few of the more curious spectators who still pestered them with questions and supplications. Some of them were inclined to be flippant, So our lady didn't say anything to you this time, Jacinta? No reply. What's this, Francisco? Are you still here? Didn't you go to heaven? What did she say to you, Lucia? Come now, tell us. The children resented this sort of questioning. They were still somewhat dazed from their experience. It was not easy to turn their thoughts back to everyday affairs. To some, they gave laconic answers. To others, none at all. Most commonly, they would say, It's a secret. I can't talk about it. Finally, the last of the strangers became discouraged and took themselves off, leaving them in peace. Francisco had many questions of his own to ask when they were alone, as on the first occasion in May he had seen all that Jacinta and Lucia had seen, but had heard nothing, the lady said, only the voice of his cousin. And even after they had explained everything to him, he was still puzzled about many details, especially about the reference to the Immaculate Heart. Yes, he had seen the lady, and could not forget the rays of light from the lady's hands, which he had felt penetrating his own breast. But why was our lady with a heart in her hand, he persisted, scattering on the world such a great light that is God? You were with our lady in the light, I saw on the ground, Lucia, and Jacinta and I were going up toward the sky. It's this way, said Lucia, you and Jacinta are soon going to heaven. And I stay with the Immaculate Heart of Mary for some time longer on earth. How many years will you stay here? I don't know. Plenty. Was it Our Lady who said so? It was. And I saw it in that light that struck us in the breast. That's right, put in Jacinta. I saw that too. I am going to heaven soon, said Francisco. And from then on, he often said it ecstatically. Jacinta and I are going to heaven soon. Heaven. Heaven the two younger children ran home full of joy, while Lucia, more thoughtful, went on her way alone to her own house. When Jacinta and Francisco burst in, T. Manuel and his Olympia had just returned from the fair with two fine, fat oxen, with which they were well-pleased. Other members of the family had been at the festivities at Fatima, but the two youngest children became the center of attention the moment they appeared in the doorway. "'We saw the lady again, mother,' cried Jacinta." And she told me that I am going to heaven soon. Nonsense, said Olympia. What lady? The beautiful lady. She came again today. Beautiful, repeated one of the family. Is she as pretty as so-and-so? Much, much prettier. Is she as pretty as that saint in the church with so many stars on her mantle? Demanded another, referring to the image of Saint Cateria at St. Anthony's. No, much, much prettier. As pretty as Our Lady of the Rosary, much more yet. Well, what did she tell you this time? To say the Rosary, and to go again every month till October? Is that all? Jacinta felt perhaps that she had said too much already. The rest is a secret. Oh, a secret. A secret. Tell us the secret. But nothing could persuade either of the children to do that. Timarto has often chuckled over this conversation. All the women wanted to know what the secret was he reminisces but I never asked them a secret is a secret and it has to be kept Lucia meanwhile has been received excuse me Lucio meanwhile was being received by a much more skeptical and less cordial audience her insistence that our lady had appeared to her a second time made no impression on a family already convinced she had become an unconscionable liar it fanned the holy indignation of Maria Rosa, on the contrary, almost to the combustion point, to think that fifty persons had made fools of themselves by going to Cova de Iria, and all on account of her good for nothing Lucia, who was bringing her so fast to her grave. During the next few days, Maria Rosa became yet more exasperated, if possible. Almost every gossip she knew brought her evidence of the tremendous sensation her daughter had caused even in the remotest remotest corners of the Serra. Most of the witnesses had believed in the apparition, hence the news had been scattered profusely in all directions, and, although many still doubted, nothing else was talked of. The last straw was when Lucia ventured to ask her mother to send her to school, since the lady had told her to learn to read. "'School, indeed,' said Maria Rosa, with withering sarcasm. "'A lot it matters to Our Lady whether the likes of you can read and write.' Fortunately, perhaps for her health of mind and spirit, Maria Rosa bethought herself in good time of what the pastor, Father Ferreira, had said. Tomorrow, she said, we are going again to see the prior, and this time you are going to tell him the truth. And that ends the selection about the events of June 13th, 1917. We see here, of course, um... The majesty of the Blessed Mother, the sun in a cloudless sky, actually appears dimmer. Think about that for a moment, on account of the Blessed Virgin Mary being on the scene at Fatima. Her presence literally dims the sun to the onlookers. And I think this also speaks of the importance of family and community, Um, Some family members, very supportive. Others, really offering only sarcasm and unbelief. Uh, Especially some members of Lucia's family were very hard on her. It's important to have people who believe in you. It's important to have people trust you. Uh, It's important to have uh, a good community. Uh, Spirits have been buoyed recently by uh, interacting with uh, a group of people who have autism and uh, having the privilege of being a part of an online class with them. And it's amazing the crosses that these young people have to bear. And so many of them do it with joy in their heart. And they lift each other up uh, in prayer and with compliments for... The things that they're achieving in their lives, despite the fact that they have these obstacles to overcome, and their their parents their um, their siblings are incredibly supportive of them as well, and they're able to accomplish great things because they have people who believe in them. They have people who love them so the port the importance of family and community. Uh, people you trust, people who love you unconditionally. I think that can be seen as well um, in Fatima. And when it's it's not there, you know, even someone who's been privileged to have this great uh, apparition, this great blessing from the Lord, to have the queen of heaven and earth show up and entrust you with uh, a special message and if even so, if you don't have the support from your family, um, life can feel very lonely, and people can get despondent. so I wanted to stress here as we we close the importance of family, the importance of loving one another, supporting each other unconditionally, and even in those times when Things get difficult. We remember the words of St. Jose Maria Escrivá. We can say, don't say that person annoys me. Say that person sanctifies me. And let us close with a prayer now to end episode eight of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast by giving honor to the Blessed Virgin Mary. In nomine patris et filii et spiritus sancti. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Iesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora nobis peccatoribus, nunc et mortis nostrae. Amen. Virgo potens, ora nobis, Sancti Joseph, terra daimonem, ora nobis In Patris, et fili, et spiritus sancti. Amen. Once again, thank you so much for listening. I'm your host, Terrence M. Stanton, and I look forward to talking to you again very soon. Goodbye, and God love you.